Well, we thought this might be a quiet day after all that had happened yesterday. LeBron James choosing the Lakers unexpectedly late night. I mean, this is after all only July 2nd. It seems like we've been going through this, especially with all the deals that were agreed to even that first night, the first three hours of free agency. But oh no, it was not quiet in the slightest. And I actually want to start with the moves that I think will be most significant this season. And that is not DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors. I want to start with what the Lakers. <sighs> that was quite a whirlwind from the Lakers because of just the, the the timing of all of this was was pretty nuts so the first thing we heard so we knew the lakers had a little bit of space and just kind of sitting there going okay well, where's this gonna go there was a report that they were gonna have a meeting with julius randall at some point on monday and then boom like a shot in the shot in the night i think Woj had it first that and and the phrasing struck me that randall was renounced and i'm sitting there going wait what so it wasn't just that they revoked his qualifying offer, but he was renounced and so you you start running through a different idea ideas yeah. going through that and you're like oh well maybe they're going to sign and trade and maybe they're going to do all this other stuff or maybe the, you know there are all these other things and then you see boom they sign Rajon Rondo and so you go oh okay wonder what the well, terms well, are and, yeah and, and you remember and... What, what I said on our gchat thread was if this <laughs> yep. is for anything more than the minimum it's not going to be good and you knew it was going to be and then the term yeah and then the term so one year nine million dollars is the number that is out there now and there are some serious like I, I mean I don't use the term disaster potential lightly. There is some serious disaster potential here in a couple of different facets. So we are both not the biggest fans of Rajon Rondo in his game right now. His defensive reputation is intensely overrated. While he can periodically be intelligent, he is not usually active as a defender at this point in his career, and that activity is a big problem. And then offensively, he did uh, he deserves some credit for helping get Drew Holiday kind of out of his shell a little bit by taking the ball out and Drew became a better scorer. But you don't need to do that at all with LeBron James at all at all and so that's one big downside playing him with LeBron has just huge problems attached to it but in some ways the bigger part depending on what they're seeing moving forward is this just complicates things with Lonzo Ball for no good reason yeah now a cynic as we've both probably rightly been accused of being at times might say well Lonzo Ball isn't going to be on this team anymore so you need a point guard you know that there is that aspect to it there's the idea that maybe Lonzo kind of needs a kick in the rear he and LeVar Ball both now Alonzo, of course, had that meniscus surgery. So, and supposedly it's made the better man win. The better man is going to win the job. Now, the better man is Lonzo Ball. I haven't been as high on Lonzo more, not because I don't think he's, you know, that he's overrated right now. I thought he actually had a very effective rookie year considering his shooting struggles, but more just what his offensive struggles, his creation struggles, say for his long-term upside when you're talking about him as a prospect, I'm a little lower on him maybe than some at this point. Uh, but he was better than Rajon Rondo last year. He defends, he's got a lot more height i think he's just as good of a passer as rondo still has more gravity as a shooter than rondo does doesn't need to dominate the ball the way rondo does and everybody's good as pushing the pace as rondo is at this point so you know rondo is more reliable from a health perspective at least you know i mean that's there is something to be said for that hey this guy missed 41 games and now he's having surgery and we need another point guard option but yeah it does seem like they could have gone another direction and then you throw in the fit of course with lebron i mean we were complaining that ingram is a guy who needs the ball in his hand Lonzo doesn't necessarily see, need the ball in his hands in theory but hasn't been able to shoot yet so they don't have that much spacing with him they brought in Lance Stevenson who can't shoot now at least they did uh, which I not necessarily think was a great move move on from Randall who was another guy who couldn't shoot so you're kind of replacing Randall with Rondo in some respects but I mean just like how is Rajon Rondo gonna like get LeBron James balls Le LeBron James gonna like come off a down screen and Rajon Rondo is gonna throw in the ball uh, 20 feet from the basket and LeBron James is gonna shoot a jump shot you know I mean all right he's 
a pretty good post entry passer but lebron isn't like a deep post position kind of guy generally um so i i will say that you know obviously we think this is a bad move. i thought rondo was really overrated last year there's also he supposedly has been a good mentor but also not a guy and maybe he can deal with not playing a little bit better than he could a couple of years ago but you imagine there's gonna be some tension some tension with lance stevenson obviously potentially uh lebron frankly has not exactly been like the easiest guy to play with he creates a lot of his own drama with his little his pouting and his means he's a, a little bit of a moody guy even to hear some of those who, who like him best say that although jetty osmond did have a wonderful instagram tribute to lebron which i thought was uh was touching for a, a rookie player coming in but i will try to present the case for why they maybe they only have one year contracts to offer because they got to keep space open for Kawhi. maybe their one year contracts with 13 million just weren't going to go as far as we thought even though they're the lake you know 13 million in space and then they also had the, the lance stevenson room exception you know maybe that maybe they just weren't going to get players who are that good right i mean if you look at okay they need a shooter who's left on the market oh wayne ellington what is he going to get you know even jamal crawford would provide more shooting what is what is ian clark or pat Connaughton going to get or maybe they could still get those guys so what is shabazz napier going to get seth curry okay yeah they probably could have gotten him but he's a health risk he, he would have been a nice fit he ended up signing in portland but he, he did want money for next year but maybe he would have just accepted the full room exception uh which would have been about as much guaranteed uh, this year uh, as he got over two years and, and he's got the player option for next year too so maybe those guys uh, with the exception of curry are just going to end up out of their price range we don't know where those guys contracts are going to end yet or and they just wanted multiple years you know tyree kevin's another guy maybe he's just a, is going to get too long of a contract they just won't be able to deal with that a, a few other guys we could have talked about that we m- would have much preferred now and avery bradley signed for what's reported as of this recording at two years 25 million i highly suspect as did you that there's a, a non-guarantee a significant non-guarantee on that second year with the clippers having their own 2019 aspirations but you know if avery bradley was willing to sign for one year 12 million in guaranteed money maybe you could have just gotten him uh for that to play with the lakers you although they can't offer him a starting position but i don't think the clippers necessarily can either we'll talk more about that so we'll see maybe there just wasn't a better option let's see what all these other guys signed for and that in the lacking a better option they felt like hey at least rajon rondo and lance stevenson like these are guys that lebron respects because they've like stood up to him in the past or whatever in the eastern conference playoffs i mean i I think this is going to turn out terribly they're going to have worse spacing than the three alphas but maybe there just wasn't a better option maybe that's possible maybe i mean you you think about just kind of how this team is going to work mechanically and it runs into all sorts of problems and what is so weird to me about the way that they chose to use the pieces that they had whether that is you know not knowing where randall was or anything like that is these pieces don't really make sense with lebron and they don't really make much sense with a lebron Kawhi combination either and so if you're trading for them this year which i'm not sure they're going to do the lakers i will give them credit for keeping that tool available to them which means that they theoretically is a piece of leverage they can use in the negotiations with the spurs to say hey we can just sign this guy outright without too much work or or as you mentioned yesterday which is key now all your eggs aren't in the Kawhi basket anymore you could get right probably not Kyrie, but you've got clay thompson you got jimmy butler or even just you can get some depth pieces around lebron too yeah there are lots of different ways and it looks like there are going to be a ton of free agents next year so you there there are other ways that the lakers can manage that now i do think that part of it is is a good piece of business for them but the mechanics of this team just don't really make much sense to me and also i think that some of this also was crystallized for me in the way that certain people talked about these signings who were more positive on them a lot of that was built on what i call kind of like reputation stuff and so i was thinking of this team as this is now the 
the lagging expectations team, where the people who think Rajon Rondo is a good defender, the people who think Lance Stevenson is a triple-double machine, which he did for one year, and it wasn't even that many based on current standards. It was, you know, what it was. You know, if you think that those guys are that, then these moves look pretty good. If you have watched a lot of them in the last couple of years in various circumstances, I'm a little bit more skeptical. And that doesn't mean I'm right, but I'm pretty confident in it because the fundamentals in terms of shooting and just just aren't there and they don't really have the tools now to reform that part of this in the immediate. What I am excited about for this Lakers team with the possibility that they don't make this big trade for Kawhi is that I think some of the best fits they have are actually their young guys. So this could end up, depending on how much LeBron and whoever else that matters, feels like these veterans need to get their need to get their minutes. You know, like Josh Hart is a better fit with this team than Lance Stevenson. So maybe the cream will rise to the top over the course of this season and they'll end up with this kind of surge in confidence because they'll realize, holy crap, the young guys we have are actually good. One of the big reasons that I don't like to say, and we'll see how much Rondo ends up playing. You know, I mean, hopefully ball or you know, maybe they'll trade ball. But to me, uh, and we could talk about where things went wrong with Randall too, you know, but certainly they had the option of keeping him around. And I think I would have much rather had Randall than Rondo or, or I mean, we'll see who they get with their remaining 5.7 million base now. But I probably would have rather had Randall because Randall's cap hold would have taken up all that. So I would have rather had Randall than probably whichever two guys they're going to get here uh, with that base. Maybe Brooke Lopez could return for that 5.7 million. I think he'd, he'd be a nice fit as a starting center. But I think if you look at the downgrade from Randall, and they did have control of him, they, they, unless Randall was going to sit out the season entirely, they could have made him be on the team here. Although, you know, again, maybe you could have been a problem with chemistry, but, uh, you know, they're not looking that great in that respect anyway. The defensive downgrade from Randall to Rondo is a huge because Randall at center, really a lot of theories fit there. You've got Ball as a big point guard, Ingram, LeBron, Josh Hart's a pretty big guy for a shooting guard. KCP's got some defensive versatility, at least. Kyle Kuzma isn't a great defender, but, you know, he can guard equally badly at a few different positions, maybe. So the thought was, and they have a lot of experience switching. So the thought was, especially with Randall at center, now we can just play him there and we'll switch everything and we could be pretty good defensively. Now with Rondo, you can't switch anything anymore because he is just, you know, absolutely pathetic level of effort in the post. Sometimes you end up just switching everything because he's not going to get over a screen at the point of attack either. Uh, but you, I think it's really a defensive downgrade, perhaps even more than an offense downgrade, uh, because Randall, you know, you didn't really need his bully ball necessarily offensively. Uh, I do want to turn to Randall now. My idea that I had earlier in the day, and it really seems like there was a breakdown with Aaron Mintz. I mean, Aaron Mintz is Paul George's agent, wouldn't even give the Lakers a meeting. Julius Randall was carping a lot about not starting last year, then he finally did, but uh, didn't seem like that relationship was a particularly good one. Mintz, of course, was also D'Angelo Russell's agent, and uh, things didn't go too well for Russell in LA, ended up getting traded away. Uh, so clearly there are some problems there, and the, the lines communication didn't seem to be open. But Julius Randle signed for two years, $18 million guaranteed with the Pels. There's no reason that the Lakers couldn't have just offered him $20 million for one year, and then even to take care of the fact that he couldn't be traded, maybe you could even have offered him a second year non-guaranteed at $20 million with a late guarantee date as the price of that $20 million for this year, which I mean, it's hard to complain really about that uh getting 20 million for for one year uh and then he could be traded because he had that second year on the contract he would have uh veto rights the implied no trade uh because he would lose his bird rights if he were traded otherwise but that second year uh, non-guarantee it could have prevented that so that's what an offer that i would have considered making you maybe not 20 million right away but you know enough to what that they would bite on it and then he could be traded this year to help match salaries and and he'd be expiring you know unlike luol deng um but no they, they couldn't get that done 
but yeah i mean i would so much rather have randall than rondo and you know we'll see who else they get but you know the amount of money that they have now the 5.7 that's basically what they could have got with stevenson so uh the same amount of money that steven signed for so yeah i mean if you're saying stevenson and rondo versus randall i mean that's just uh, just no comparison yeah and yeah i mean the, the mince part of this is is certainly an element in the story it might have created a little bit more of a frosty relationship but when you have the advantage of restricted free agency it doesn't really matter how frosty the relationship is if the offers aren't there for randall you can make an offer that can be there he would have had a place on this team and as you said like now their centers are javelle mcgee and zubach i expect and mo wagner presumably and so i think that they could you know they could certainly add some talent there there are plenty of centers that are available though that list has thinned a little bit in the last day or so but i mean yeah i, I, just I wouldn't say i don't think there's as good of a two-way center available as what randall can give you i mean randall's has a lot of I would agree with defensive that. limitations but he can at least be good as a switch guy and he's obviously a, an offensive force uh again he's limited in dimension but he can do things on both ends yeah and so if i were them like i mentioned this with the sixers during the day today i'd be looking at somebody like kyle o'quinn who i think is you know he's not perfect but he can be a functional piece more reliable than javel so just another one to add in there though of course then you're building a team with four guys who are centers so i mean granted wagner's probably a little bit more of a developmental piece at this point i'll tell you a lot more after summer league but i mean this is just a strangely constructed lakers team and it's it's temporary there there isn't really much here that if it doesn't work can be you know has to be stuck with for for multiple years but it is still a little bit strange and to me what they've really the biggest thing that they've done is they've functionally not entirely but pretty damn close to it extinguished their chances of winning a championship versus full strength opponents this year now they're you know maybe because of lebron's incandescence their blank number of injuries yeah. away and there's well, always there, there could be a trade still you know that, that that's possible. exactly but, but i mean like, yeah there, but, there are but ways if to... you if you do get Kawhi and you still have rajon rondo on the team and that's all even makes it even worse of a fit because you know i mean Kawhi is another guy who creates his own offense more than just getting set up and, and i mean the the one good thing is that they have a lot of good passers on this team uh but and they're gonna need it because it's gonna be some pretty tight windows and not a lot of spacing but um also the last thing i'll say too is oh we're gonna have rondo come in and compete for the job with lonzo well what if he wins the job uh and then you're like tanking the value of one of your best trade assets when you're trying to get Kawhi leonard or maybe trying to get someone else so it's uh that's also a bit of a concern to me as well uh, anything else you want to say uh, about uh, the lakers well luke walton's gonna have his hands full both on and off the court now i mean this is going to be one of the tougher head coaching jobs i can recall just in terms of managing the personalities figuring out how to make this work on the court as well so we'll see well and you know you know luke would love to play the way that steve kerr does right he tried to bring that system in they've had varying degrees of implementation for that but you know he'd like to have everyone move the ball and maybe they can do that they have some good passwords they have some smart guys but rondo loves to just hold the ball up top and then throw the pass lebron loves to hold the ball ingram you know not really he's a guy who has to work the ball in his hands lance criticized for holding on the ball too much as well kyle kuzma is a guy who likes to work in isolation a little bit and hold the ball he can play some pick and pop too but uh he'll do some isolation i mean randall at least isn't there anymore but you know are you really going to move the ball and then also a really interesting question is lebron doesn't really want to play fast now he's talked about and it's been leaked that oh he wants to play with more of a primary ball handler play off the ball but you know i just don't think that's a good use of lebron's skills playing off the ball i mean yeah you know he he's a devastating cutter but that's you can really only cut when someone else has created the advantage to begin with and you know so so they'll need someone to do that and then if he's going to be a cutter and then in transition lebron really likes to kind of slow it down and play in the half court and kind of catch his breath and, and not 
play so fast they do at least have pretty decent depth now so hopefully he can get more of a rest than he used to getting in cleveland uh, but lonzo wants to play fast rondo the pels played at the fastest pace in the nba after cousins went down last year so that'll be interesting to see are they going to play fast is lebron going to get on board with that or is he going to kind of slow the pace down and uh you know direct everything in the half court which obviously he's, he's special at but you wonder how fast they're going to go yeah that's definitely a great question so there are kind of two paths we can go here well we, actually the, three. The conne- there's a connecting you, you, you haven't seen this one yet because we, we're going to do a read first <laughs> that, that okay that, there we go that is the third door is a read uh welcoming a puppy into your home is one of the most rewarding things that you're ever going to do but you want to make sure if you're getting a purebred puppy that it come from a responsible breeder with puppy spot only 10 percent of the breeders that apply for their program are, are actually approved and so you can avoid the scams that have plagued the online pet industry historically at any one time they have a hundred plus puppies available to go home as many as 50 different breeds and you can work with their puppy concierge to find the right puppy for you they have a no puppy mill promise and they also have a 10-year health guarantee they, they provide up-to-date vaccinations all you have to do is take your puppy to the vet a week after it arrives and that activates this 10-year health guarantee for things that should have been caught beforehand so you're protected in case there is a health issue thanks to their travel program your puppy will arrive in your home the same day it leaves its breeder so it spends its entire life before it arrives with you with its breeder and its parents compare that to a pet store when a puppy may have made several stops over several weeks before it even got to the store so fetch your new best friend at puppyspot.com slash capspace easy to remember slash capspace talk about all the time here on the program and especially on these episodes puppyspot.com slash capspace for limited time get access to the puppy spot vip program discounts on everything you need for your new puppy from food to walking services once again puppyspot.com slash capspace that's puppyspot.com slash capspace let them know that came from us with that slash capspace url i think we should move to the warriors obviously now the bemoners uh, as uh anthony slater called them the sky is falling because demarcus cousins has signed a one-year deal with the warriors i tweeted that i don't think it's really going to matter that much that that he did i mean it's a good uh, talent play he, he could make a big difference but even a healthy cousins last year to me should not have been in this warriors closing lineup so a lot, a lot of the time you're going to take out andre guadala who's just so such a big part of what makes them special defensively with that defensive versatility and ability to run in transition you put in cousins who is really and, and we're just talking about him in his best now obviously there, there's a risk but he at his at his best isn't the most efficient guy had the most efficient season of his career last year but you know has the ball in his hands a ton one of the highest usage big men we've ever seen and he, he can create a lot of shots but this Warriors team is already amazing offensively and the, their best stars are more efficient than he is and space the floor more than he does uh, as well and then defensively this Warriors team doesn't have anywhere to attack really you know Steph Curry has held up really well defensively over the years with only a few exceptions so now he gives you a place to attack and you can't switch you got to play conventional pick and roll defense with him and so now I mean especially against a team like the war or the Rockets you have to play conventional pick and roll defense against James Harden like you're just going to get carved up there's nothing you can do about that if you're not switching so the fit here is not amazing but if he's in the right role and is healthy he can help them it's just a question of you know is that really going to be it are they going to be tempted to play him at the end of games over Iguodala or is he going to be unhappy about not playing at the end of game it is going to be a very challenging tightrope not only for the team but also for the player in this case with DeMarcus Cousins and I talked a little bit last offseason about how acquiring Jimmy Butler I felt was going to be clarifying for Andrew Wiggins because he was going to be put in the situation where he was going to have a good chance to succeed and we would just know at that point in his career whether he had that kind of game or not I feel that Wiggins did not really succeed in that role and now it's kind of the time for Cousins 
because he has a lot of warts on and off the court, but he also has these immense strengths. And the Warriors are actually very well tuned to maximize some of those strengths and to minimize some of those weaknesses, far from everything, because he's, you know, that's just the nature of him as a player. But that is going to require an absolute ton of buy-in from Cousins himself. You know, that that could be in not getting a ton of shots in a game, actually getting his ass back on defense with more regularity, which is a big problem for oh, him. God. And you and I have talked about the Warriors transition defense being an absolutely huge problem for them, particularly in the regular season. Yeah, it, it was fine and, in the playoffs last year, I thought. But yeah, sure. But it was. God, was it, was but, it bad? But yeah, I mean, the that, that was basically so, the entire difference between their like best in the league defense and, you know, where they were like sixth or seventh last year. Right. So you have all of those and and they're, the positives are, are really intriguing. One of the big ones being DeMarcus Cousins as a post-up player attacking mismatches on switches. Because if you run him and he's a capable screener, if and I'm sure he'll be excited about setting screens for Stephen Curry. If he sets a good screen for Stephen Curry as a defense, that is a very hard thing to deal with. Because if you switch it, then not only do you have Curry on a big, but now you have DeMarcus Cousins on a small. And he can get a foul. He's, you know, as long he sometimes he makes really good pass out of that he has vision but he also is a, a high turnover big as well and it just gives the Warriors a different element so if those kinds of positives outweigh the negatives then this is a pretty remarkable thing the other element that I think really led to this deal happening is the is the issue of time and one of the elements that came out over the course of this day was differing perspectives from differing sides who have differing agendas about really how the last couple of days have gone for DeMarcus Cousins so he is kind of coming out from his camp basically saying he had no offers and so you know kind of going that direction and so they reached out to the Warriors my belief would be that they didn't have any firm offers but they had an understanding at least in certain areas well, can, can Those I break in on that can... I mean th- this is kind sure. of because DeMarcus said yeah Del Demps told me he didn't want me which I, I find that a little hard you don't you, you yeah, don't ever that say seems that unlikely. to a player we don't want specifically especially a player that you're seriously considering bringing back well, and, may, and maybe anyway. they weren't maybe maybe they really weren't uh considering bringing it back maybe they felt like they could get more out of the mid-level and frankly with Julius Randle we'll talk about this I think they did I think they got a player who's going to give them more next year than DeMarcus would have and you know he, he doesn't necessarily had demand all the touches and, and he could be better defensively etc but um you know it could have been something along the lines of hey I want this much and the Pelicans said hey you know what like I'm sorry we're we can't we can't get into that area or something without actually making their own specific counter offer and so that you know all right is that technically making an offer not making an offer you know th- that's probably kind of how it went where it's just like hey you know what i don't want to make an offer here specifically that's going to insult you but you know we can't get there yet you know you're gonna have to bring your demands down and then we'll talk you know it could have been something along right and and i certainly think that's possible and so if you and the idea that also came out during the day which is extremely important is that there is a feeling around the league that demarcus cousins will not be ready to start the season that is not a surprise considering the achilles and obviously we have no idea what he'll be when he comes back you know achilles injuries are scary for a good reason because guys can really look like a shell of themselves when they come back and Rudy Gay was a hugely positive example but that doesn't always happen and Cousins is younger but he's also a lot bigger and had different issues you know with conditioning compared to Rudy Gay who I think has done a good job taking care of himself at least as far as I can remember off the top of my head and so that would all work to compress the market for DeMarcus Cousins who already compressed the market a fair amount by virtue of being DeMarcus Cousins in the NBA for the last 10 years and so when you throw in all those factors the health his personality kind of needing the ball as well you know like questions about whether he can play a role i mean it, it makes sense that there wasn't anything necessarily there uh and i mean all those who are like oh hey like how, this is ridiculous the nba is rigged blah blah like you know it's a one year mini 
mid-level like just about every team in the league could have easily outbid the Warriors uh you know even on a one plus one for the full mid-level you might have even considered that you know over this deal well and importantly we don't know how much of a discount he took like this is not a circumstance where you're saying oh well he you know like David West where David West opted out of a ton of money and then took the minimum with the Spurs the current you know education is that there wasn't really that kind of a big every cap space team the only cap space team that needed a center was Dallas and they got DeAndre Jordan even before free agency started so where were these big offers that that he could have had right and he didn't have enough leverage with New Orleans to demand like multiple years maybe they could have given him money for for one but then they had all these other things come into play so I think it's a good marriage of player and team not you know risk on both sides of course and now Cousins will be an unrestricted free agent in 2019 we'll see what his stock looks like at that point as is going to be in a piece for the athletic tomorrow morning it is basically impossible for the Warriors to bring him back for 2019-20 and beyond because all they will have is non-bird rights and that will pay him I think it's like six and a half million because it's 20 percent raise and that's not a ton of yeah. money I mean may- maybe we'll see so, how he plays this year and maybe they just you know he sort of is sure. like an okay starting center and they bring him back again next year and then he he's able to do better that year and they would have early bird rights it's at possible. that point although even then they couldn't pay him that much but yeah I mean that seems that seems unlikely to me um yeah I mean so, yeah. so it's it's a rental and it might work out it might not and with the Warriors are a natural fit for that because it doesn't kill them if this fails yeah. whether it's on the court or off the court they could they could get a zero from DeMarcus Cousins and be just fine and if they get more than that great and I think they're in a better position than most partially because they've dealt with all these guys that have been vexing like Nick Young last year where yeah he was like happy they were able to tell them no that's true he was he was ha- well he was happy vexing like in terms of personality and all that I'm, I'm not sure it was that way when you're having to figure out whether you're going to give him minutes when Andre Iguodala got hurt. Yeah. but but out, outside of that I mean I, I think that it's it's interesting and also this creates a, a challenge which I also wrote about about how Bob Myers wants to handle how many centers they put on their roster now because if DeMarcus Cousins isn't ready to start the season do you want to actually use an extra roster spot on a center beyond what they were thinking yeah, it, just to and fill Damian it because Jones, you don't want Draymond playing Damian center Jones might fall out in the first half of the NBA he had six fouls in the first half of the summer league today he did he did not look remotely ready yeah he he also might not be on the team anymore. yeah no we'll that, that's true but, and they could they might just try to dump him we'll see but but it's uh yeah. although they they seem rather enamored of, of him it's uh we'll see yeah, but certainly the decision to decline his option instead of loonies didn't did make much sense but one more thing on cousins here just in terms of his playing style uh you know we mentioned the defensive limitations we've seen him in the team usa setting be more efficient be a finisher around the rim a screen setter uh he also the spacing element that he provides at center is something nice i mean he's the fourth best three-point shooter on the warriors right now which you know and maybe he'll do more more of that stuff so i don't know that he i mean i think the thing that he probably the biggest thing that would be limited by the achilles is all the ball handling and working off the dribble that he does but they don't really need for him to do very much of that anymore and and i think if he's going to change his game the biggest thing is hey go post up and you know get really deep post position and we'll get you the ball on the move or as a pick and roll guy and draw a ton of fouls i mean he really had gotten away from posting up right under the basket because that's kind of hard too to into doing more of this off the dribble stuff uh you know bringing the ball up and jacking threes and you know, being the ball handler and a 5-4 pick and roll and stuff like that but the other thing i'm really concerned about too for him and the warriors don't really have the type of culture like the way the heat do for example uh for you know to really make sure that you're in shape I and mean, when you saw it like they just trust guys to just do that because they're good vets and you they get what you need is the approach and so you know if he comes in weighing 320 and suppose like there's a story like okay he's only 10 pounds over what he was playing at last year well and he d- had, did get into shape for last year you know that's still not great 
weight you know there's nothing that says you have to gain weight when you're injured you just last um so we'll see i, I mean how much he weighs when he gets here is going to be a, a huge factor you would so let's move on to the new orleans pelicans the team that is connected with both of the franchises we've talked about and i think this is going to end up being a very good piece of business not perfect but a very good piece of business for the pelicans because in a lot of ways they got out of two complicated situations and ended up with a player who is a better fit for where they're going than the guys who they lost julius randall is a kind of the nice marriage for for the pelicans i've been talking about this for a little while now parallel sort of being to the warriors where you want a gap filler for during the season because anthony davis you know you don't want him to necessarily take the pounding game in game out at center but in the playoffs almost all of your best lineups if you have capable fours are going to be with him there a trio of davis nikola miritich and julius randall completely makes sense i think those guys make sense in any combination they can provide enough rest and then if you add depth pieces behind them which are not super hard to find you know shake diallo might be one of those they can get a, a four for the minimum if they want they could even slide solomon hill there if they ever got a three which they probably won't and so the front court to me well let's say the bigs because front court involves a three makes a lot more sense now and with rondo certainly he provided value for them that was unexpected for me last yeah. year but he was imperfect and part of what they did is i think alvin gentry overutilized him at the expense of each one more and each one more is a a good player a nice fit for where this pelicans team is going they still have to figure out that extra spot that last guy yeah they still but, have any wings on the roster but right none were but, but the, i think that i i think they can kind of get to a place where this makes sense and if they had overpaid rondo if they had overpaid cousins more in terms of years rather than dollars that that could have gotten really complicated and yes we do need to talk about that if this doesn't work anthony davis at the end of this season will be one year away from the decision on his player option he will also be you know the designated veteran and stuff all that but there's a chance that this works out and also new orleans now by virtue of not having the opportunity to overpay those guys they'll probably be a cap space team next year and that's yeah. interesting in and of itself well they avoid having to stress they got plenty of room still uh you know alfred payton who, who they got today they used part of the bae on him julius randall's full emily so they're down to just minimums to spend here uh, but they got plenty of room now below the text they got so that if they need to take make trades to take on money they could do that they don't have to stretch uh alexia jinsa anymore which is nice so he'll come off the books and then you know they'll have about 17 million in space next year and then if they wanted to stretch solomon hill they could probably get that almost up to like 25 million space next year so and, and that obviously this is going to be a critical year that'll the next year will be the last year of, of ad before he can be a free agent and you know he'll probably be eligible for the designated does or he will be eligible we know that for sure now will be uh for the designated player veteran extension but they'll be able to maybe try and bring someone else in uh to play with these guys or at least get a passable three-man i also really like julius randall because i think he's a great matchup against the warriors in houston offensively uh he is able to really is a guy who's not switchable you know he he and he can also dribble into his post-ups once he once they get the switch too like he just goes through guys and if they have enough spacing around and they're spacing in the backcourt i mean it's all peyton but especially if they're playing holiday at the one their spacing could be even a little bit better in the backcourt maybe we'll even see miritich at the three which eh, you know that's not great but at least they'll space the floor and, and have a little more size to switch with but yeah i think randall you know he can attack switches in the post whether it's houston whether it's golden state and new orleans wasn't able to beat the warriors switches last year they completely destroyed portland they had a great offense with the spacing and davis at center but randall could be a, a little bit of an antidote to that now if you're giving him the ball you're not letting davis have the ball necessarily and davis's pick and roll ability if randall 
Randall's can't shoot is going to be neutralized a little bit but uh you know he does provide another option and then he can switch good enough defensively so like I said I think he's going to give them more than a potentially injured DeMarcus would have and this is a team that really you know part of the reason I'm sure that their offers to DeMarcus weren't that high is because he won't be ready in theory to start the season and this is a team that needs every bullet in the chamber just to make the playoff uh you know they did make it to the second round with ease but they barely made the playoffs here a bookkeeping note that could end up being important here this move also gives the pelicans the opportunity to use the trade exception they still have for quincy pondexter it's a little under four million that won't get you much but it might might just get an option that could be claiming somebody off waivers yeah. or just you know or, an, or a, maybe an even a, a sign and trade for a guy who just you know is kind of like a minimum guy elsewhere but this is yeah, kind of like the troy daniels them. deal or something yeah, like or that. you know a glenn robinson the third or, or something like that level of player uh you know james ennis actually would be someone that maybe you could get in a sign and trade from detroit uh you know to ha- detroit has early bird rights on him maybe you could use that trade exception to to take on james ennis in a sign and trade uh you know maybe you send a little something detroit's way but it shouldn't take much yeah so i think there are ways of, of making this work and players you know as we said they only have minimums to offer basically at this point players who fit that bill of potentially being a part of this roster should be interested because you know solomon hill provides you know he's, he's an interesting guy if he's actually healthy he dealt with that hamstring issue all last year but they're going to have an opportunity if you can if you can earn it so for the players who feel like this market left them behind and they are not restricted because restricted guys don't have that much control over this i would be interested in new orleans at at that reasonable rate because they're going to have minutes for you yeah and you know i mean they were interested in nick young at the full mid-level last year you know he might be someone they could try to bring in at the minimum uh our favorite travion graham is another one ian clark you know i don't know what his market is maybe they could bring him back uh for you know 120 percent raise off of his minimum uh, they are still only at 10 players right now um assuming that they were to move on from deandre liggins they've also got a mecca okafor who would uh is for 2.4 million this year they might as well keep him around he played okay last year well but by, by the way if they're going to bring him back they might need some intel here but if they should try if they can to get okafor it, it, i wish they would have structured this as a team option because since it since it was a two-year contract they don't get any of the subsidized and now that difference you know the difference doesn't matter to their books because they're going to be under the tax it looks like now but if they could get him subsidized on a one-year minimum contract that would be useful yeah probably well, not well, worth the risk to cut him no. yeah because he might get uh claimed or something yeah maybe who knows uh but yeah, so i mean i think new orleans actually uh could be better next year in theory we'll see i mean the health is always an issue there and alfred payton we didn't we speculated it was for the minimum last year that was or, or last night that was incorrect it was 2.7 million so nearly all oh, of the vae another player we should mention in the rotation is darius miller somebody yeah. you and i both like and thought should have gotten more minutes yeah. in their second round series yeah although he can't stop anybody which is, which is a problem and, and sure. payton will be interesting i mean he, presumably now and they'll get solomon hill back but you, you know he is really just too limited offensively to be much of a three and that that's one thing is that he you know the the thought of using him as a backup four that's out the window now that they have randall so payton will be interesting i mean if he is he going to be the starting point guard probably you know they really liked so playing. you think do you think they'll start payton and drew together i, I that seems likely to me yeah I, i'm uh especially because they, they just and more at the three just because they don't have anything else at the three um and we'll see how well payton does i mean he's uh certainly has had his issues in the past but this will be his first time really playing for a real team that's true let's move on now to minnesota anthony Tolliver, one year 5.75 million that is slightly more than the taxpayer emily so the wolves are hard cap that to fit him in they had to withdrew withdraw the qualifying offer on nemanja bielitsa they could still theoretically bring him back but there's no reason for him to go back there with Tolliver. and Tolliver, and he shot 43 percent from three he really has been jacking he's adding like ryan anderson rain uh, had the best season of his career 
career last year he's 33 now but he really does provide a lot of spacing and it'd be very interesting to see you know whether he actually ends up closing some games over Taj Gibson I'm guessing not but uh, he definitely provides some more shooting and this is just especially with Crawford gone this is just more of what they need now they do have Derek Rose still who's, who's a, a usage guy but just someone to space the floor defend intelligently and they got plenty of shot creation that they can stagger to go on to the second unit between Wigan Towns and Butler and Teague also uh, on this team uh, a Teague especially I feel should play more with the second unit than he does for them so I think this is a, a pretty good signing only one year you know they obviously have their tax concerns for next season but this is this is the type of player they needed you might say it's a little bit of an overpay Detroit probably wanted him back but really couldn't afford him under the tax once they went with uh, Glenn Robinson and and you know the Knicks were supposedly interested in Tolliver as well they didn't have the money to compete with this offer either and the hard cap probably won't matter they've still got 10 million dollars below their apron the more interesting thing is the tax once they sign Keita Bates job they will be about 4.4 million under the tax for 12 players and they could sign two more and get under that pretty easily a third makes things a little bit more difficult to stay under though you know maybe they could make a move they could probably just trade Tyus Jones if they wanted to and you know, who knows what they think of Justin Patton these days or uh, Gorgie Jang is uh, very available only three years left on that four year six four million dollar extension but I, I think this is good for Minnesota this is a, a step in the right direction for the type of player they needed and not a long commitment but just having someone who can get out there and bomb threes take 75 percent of their his shots from downtown and just stand outside the three-point line I, I think is is going to be a big help guy in an ideal world I would have enjoyed if this player could be a little bit more of a three than a four just because but the, there are two factors there one those guys didn't exist two Tibbs is going to play his guys Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins such a ridiculous amount that I think there's actually maybe more of a chance that Tolliver plays than those guys just as a practical consideration so yeah I, I'm good with this and the number they got him at is a number that makes sense with their financial constraints getting it as a one-year contract is is a good piece of business for them well okay well so, yeah, me, I'm, I'm on I mean if you compare this deal to what the Bucks gave Ursan Ilyasova right I would I mean especially because it doesn't go into 2019 yeah it's tough to say whether Tolliver or Ilyasova is better uh you know Ilyasova is probably better defensively but you're not as much on the perimeter as more of a help guy Tolliver you know he'll at least knows where to be I think Tolliver is the superior offensive player uh, just with the versatility of his jump shot uh, I mean and by the way Anthony Tolliver is someone who deserves so much credit for making himself into a player I mean could you imagine when he first broke in with those awful Warriors teams you're covering at the start of your career that like he would be this guy who's bombing threes from like 27 feet and like just jacking up shots basing the floor like this well and that's made him a career right. like if he He'd if be he out hadn't of the grown a long his time game for right and he you know good character guy well liked from what I've heard basically everywhere he's been but that's not enough to keep a guy in the league especially not the power forward position so yeah I I, I think it's it's pretty impressive for him and we'll see where this minute I think Minnesota's you know they're it feels to me like they're pretty close to done I talked about that a little bit with the Pistons yesterday we'll actually get they they did a piece of news they, they did something today but you know I, I think that he he makes sense for what they were what they were looking for and I, I'm totally fine with it I think where we should go from this is two pieces two signings that aren't necessarily surprising but are still important so Philadelphia got JJ Redick back the reporting from Woj is that it is in the 12 to 13 million dollar range that number is important because it makes it more likely that the the Sixers are going to function as an under the cap team they could theoretically if they really wanted to bring back Amir Johnson they could go in that direction but really the more likely way is that if they wanted to they could use about 14 and a half million in cap space then the room mid-level that's better than staying over and using the non-tax paramilly which is smaller than that and the biannual which is smaller than the room mid-level so they they can go, go for some pieces here they are getting a little bit on a roster 
constraint, but who knows? Maybe if they make a two or three for one trade, they would have enough roster spots to make it work. And there are players available, not as many as there were at the beginning of the day, who could fit in and into the rotation right away. And we need to remember that rotational depth was a big problem for the Sixers last year before the buyout market. And even after it was still a little bit chancy. Yeah, I mean, they still need a backup to you know, how many minutes do you want to play Redick at this point in his career, especially during the regular season for a team that now has playoff aspirations, not that many. I think this is a win to get him. I mean, it's only, uh, he got double this in the mock-off season, although in that circumstance, they're trying to stay over the cap anyway. Uh, but they are, again, the mock-off season is very accurate for them in terms of, all right, who else really out there for the guy, these guys at this point? But especially when you consider the limitations, I and mean, they're basically in the same spot the Lakers were yesterday with, you know, about 13 million to play with and the room exception and only one-year deals to offer because they're going to just try to run back the cap space again 2019 like so many of these teams and certainly i think wayne ellington would be the number one target for me right now if i were them uh ellington could play that marco bellinelli role i think he's better than bellinelli even uh set a league record for most threes ever off the bench last year and at age 30 now would you offer ellington all of your space well they have this roster crunch anyway so that's part of it they still have to bring in one more backup center they've got rashawn holmes still they'll always be backup centers available in the buyout market so maybe they'd be good enough going with Holmes but even you have to have a third center on this team uh, with Embiid you know he was healthy last year but he's going to miss some games so you know Kyle O'Quinn has been talked about for them as well maybe O'Quinn could be the room exception and then you just you might as well just spend all this money on Wayne Ellington anyway unless you know the thought is that you're going to get Kawhi but there's no way they're getting Kawhi unless they include Markel Fultz and it doesn't seem like they want to do that anytime soon but having this cap space could be useful to just not to avoid having to give back salary that matches for the Spurs or theoretically to take on somebody if San Antonio wants to do that in a trade if you can lower the asking price in terms of assets to to do that then by all means yeah that's interesting and and Patty Mills maybe is someone who could help uh, this team although again they're not going to want to take on money I mean it it would be really nice though uh, although they'd be in the same situation as the Lakers if they took on Kawhi and then you know his cap hold goes up to over 30 million next year so that could reduce chances for 2019 space but it seems unlikely that they could consummate and it would make sense to just leave this space open until you can work out a trade for Leonard you know that's a, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense also talk that they're going to move on from Jared Bayless buy him out we might have mentioned that yesterday more really for the roster spot than for any cash saving at this point but yeah I mean Ellington would be my target O'Quinn is probably you know the, your number one guy as a backup center maybe Alex Len is someone that they could think about is Zaza Pachulia wants to continue his career he might be someone just they've had some success with that kind of groundbound smart defender with Ilyasova last year Greg Monroe depending on his price Channing Fry. I mean there, there certainly are just bringing back Amir Johnson as as well Kevon Looney actually being interesting I mean, Bebe Nogueira I mean there are a lot of centers still out there oh I got to cross off Salameshi there are a lot of centers still out there so I I don't think there would be any huge rush there I would prioritize backup shooting guard and, and you'd hope that one year 14 million could get you Wayne Ellington and then you just fill out backup center with the room exception whoever you can get you can get someone adequate there we are in agreement so we can move to the other one of those not super surprising but still important signings Derek Favors what was originally reported as a two-year 36 million dollar deal is more favorable to the Jazz than that we were both surprised that at that at that number what it actually is well yeah I was surprised that they, to... they compromised their 2019 flexibility more even than that and, and, and right. it turned out they did not that they did not so the subsequent reporting is that it's closer to two years 32 million but more importantly that second year is non-guaranteed so that gives Utah a lot of flexibility it also allows them to trade Derek Favors without his consent which is important here theoretically I don't expect that to happen but you 
you never know what's going to present itself. So I like this for Utah. It, I, I thought it made more sense. They still have flexibility to bring in somebody else. I have them as, depending on whether they use some, keep these non-guarantee guys, Drebko and Udo, having between 16 million and 24 million, not including Dante Exum, because I just don't know what kind of price he's going to get. So I don't want to f- figure him in. So I think they should be able to use the non-taxpayer MLE if they want to. And there are certainly some players that would be useful for them there. So Utah's in a good place. I think they're in a very good place here. Yeah. And they have until July 9th to decide on Jarebko and Udo. This is a, a good number for favors. And Nemanja Bialica is who just became an unrestricted free agent. Just an amazing fit to me in Utah as a stretch four, but actually could get the chance to run some pick and rolls, which he can do, you know, get the blender going, shoot the ball from outside as well, where he's really improved. Um, he is 30, but I, I think, you know, and we'd have to see how many years you would go for Bielitsa to get him, but I don't see where his market is necessarily. The Jazz desperately need a backup for. I think he could get a fair number of minutes. He might even be able to close games, depending on whether you know, he or they need more offense or, or defense with Crowder. Uh, now they're going to have Cephalosha as well. I mean, they're, they're going to have just so much depth on this team. They bring back Exum. They still got Alec Burks, Mitchell, obviously, as well. Ricky Rubio. We got Hul Neto as well as, as a restricted free agent, but he won't cost much, you would think. Bring back, he could end up taking his qualifying offer potentially uh, so yeah they're in a great place they still would have the ba even to use although I, I don't know if they necessarily could even find someone who could break their rotation to use that on uh, so yeah i mean the, and Udo probably has some use as a third center if gobert or favors goes down and they also have tony bradley that they probably want to maybe try to bring into the mix although i haven't seen much from him yet they got royce o'neill still uh, on the wing i mean what an embarrassment of riches you know, and, and maybe you would consider trying to trade one of these guys too just to uh maybe get a little bit of future flexibility and then they still maintain as of now 49 million dollars in 2019 cap space with burks favors rubio all coming off the books yeah i really utah i could i could see one way that they could use some of that if they really wanted to and had the flexibility to get a a third point guard that they trust a little bit more just because exum has dealt with so many injuries to have another steady hand could be useful and there are plenty of point guards on the market still for now so they could get somebody but it's not an urgent urgent thing i like holoneto so they can go in that direction as well we can do a couple of quicker pieces of housekeeping one that's interesting is washington claiming thomas bryant off of waivers from the lakers he was moved presumably to clear out space for everything else that they did he will make less than the veteran minimum because he will be a second year player at the minimum he guarantees it a couple of days so the assumption will be that he is going to be a wizard for the next season and he was good in the g league from everything i heard and he was intriguing in summer league last year so it's okay yeah runs the floor hard can rebound showing off a little bit more of a stretch element um yeah so as a third center which is what he's looking like for this team maybe even uh, yeah i guess it would be a third center they got mahimi they got bryant now still looking for a starting center it does seem like dwight howard would be an excellent fit there uh great fit in the locker room too uh would have not been exactly uh the uh, john wall and his band of merry men although perhaps with gortat gone to complain not complaining about his defense anymore which he was right to do by the way um in phoenix uh john gambadoro reports that the suns as expected are waving alan williams he had 5.5 million guaranteed just wasn't going to be worth that this year number one and number two they needed that space to bring in trevor ariza and then oklahoma city a very interesting backup center signing of their own for a couple different reasons so they brought in nerwin's noel and noel so reuniting with former teammate jeremy grant which is kind of fun those guys were actually at one point drew excitement as the potential front court of the future for the philadelphia 76ers and this is actually having a backup center in oklahoma city that ended up being important in the playoffs when steven adams got into foul trouble and they just didn't 
didn't really have any other yeah. things. They tried to do a patchwork quilt with Patrick Patterson and Jeremy Grant. It was important during well. during the regular season too, and they couldn't get a rebound when Stephen Adams went that's out of true. the game. That's true. That's also true. And so they, they have that. And then the other part of this that's striking to me for both perspective of player and team is that it's not a one-year minimum contract. This is a two-year minimum contract with a player option for the second year. And why that's important is because of a league rule in terms of subsidization. Wow, I can't pronounce that word. It's okay. So the league pays the portion of a veteran minimum contract above the two-year minimum if it's a one-year contract only. So in this circumstance, Oklahoma City does not gain that benefit. And that counts not only against the the cap, but also for the luxury tax. So they're spending a lot more money to do this structure. And for Nerwins Noel, the benefit for him is that he now has a theoretical guaranteed minimum contract for the 2019-20 season. So presumably that was important enough to, for him to demand it. And Oklahoma City was willing to give it up despite it costing them meaningfully more money. For Noel, I'm still not sure why he would want to go here versus a minimum offer somewhere else. I mean, with supposedly he was deciding with the Lakers too. I mean, his agency is clutch sports uh, and maybe the Lakers have something else in mind as far as a center where he couldn't have started there anymore. But I mean, this is playing behind a guy in Steven Adams who never gets hurt and plays a lot of minutes. You know, those two guys can't really play together. So, you know, it is interesting that he's just going there to be the back I mean, I think he will really benefit from that button down business like Oklahoma City culture. Uh, I think that that will help him. But still, it, it doesn't seem like the best place he could have gone for more playing time. But I mean, even just, he's got to just get out on the court and play well, no matter how many it is. And obviously, this is a disaster for him. He bet on himself by turning down at the very start of free agency that four year, $70 million offer that's been reported six ways a Sunday that that did occur. Even Shams had that. And so now, instead of making almost 18 million this year, he will be making the veterans minimum uh, 1.89 million. Also, noteworthy that even this piddling signing costs almost $10 million in repeater taxes for Oklahoma City as it's constituted now. But obviously, when the final tax bill is calculated, Kyle Singler and his $5 million likely will be stretched or, or off the team. Who knows whether Patterson or Abrinas will be around. Carmelo Anthony remains to be seen uh, what happens with him. So uh, th- th- this tax bill is going to go down. It's not, they're, they're not going to have a team salary plus tax $300. Another team that's not going to have a, a bill that high after years in the tax is the LA Clippers. So the Clippers re-signed Avery Bradley using bird rights. They acquired him in the Blake Griffin trade. The deal is reported. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's worth going over again. It's reported as a two-year, $25 million contract. It was late enough in the day that I could ex- expect that we could see clarifications later on, meaning either a team option, non-guarantee, or a light partial guarantee on that second year, just because the Clippers have so zealously prioritized keeping their powder dry for 2019. And it wouldn't really make sense to go over that for Bradley, especially when he was hurt so much of last year. You talked about kind of like where he fits in with their rotation. I think he's going to start. I think he starts next to Patrick Beverly, Lou, Lou Williams, stays in the Lou Williams role. And then they kind of let slow roll it a little bit with their new lottery guards with Shea and with Jerome. And because I can never get his last name right. And they can work from there. And if those guys impress in summer league, there, there can be minutes for him. So I think that's where it's going to go. My feelings on this deal depend almost entirely on what happens with that second. Yeah, but I think that's right. I mean, it's still, you know, that's not a bad price for Avery Bradley and it's only two years. I mean, unless he gets hurt again, that should be a very tradable contract. You would think, especially when you consider how many teams are going to strike out in 2019 free agency, it would be like, yeah, we'd love to have a, a starting quality shooting guard. I mean, I think Bradley, you know, who knows, maybe he'll just never get back to where he was in Boston just due to the health concerns and not being in Brad Stevens' system. Yeah, so, you know, if this is a team option, 
option on the second year that's not as good if it's non-guaranteed though then he could be traded which of course is useful as well for this clippers team also with bradley and again we don't we don't know for sure that it's non-guaranteed it just it seems very unlikely that he could have gotten this long of a contract because just no one else is getting these right now and i thought the favors deal maybe just provided a little bit of a precedent for them to get a deal done i mean he clearly didn't have anything else out there which we could talk about that too because i think some teams missed an opportunity here if this was the deal uh that and even just to guarantee that second year frankly you know take a chance on getting a starting shooting guard for two years at under 15 million a guy who's people were talking about as a 20 million dollar a year player here uh when of course it was a different market but it will be a different market again in 2019 and then you have that guy in the book from this year i mean that, that that's still the one thing that has puzzled me is the, the fact that teams haven't necessarily gotten any goes but but anyway so for for longer but yeah bradley can be traded now and we'll see what their backcourt situation ends up looking like but i mean for a t for me for example like indiana kind of dropped the ball here i mean maybe they're still trying to get tyreek evans and maybe they're having a row with him about how many years it's going to be you know because i mean clearly they've been rumored to want him and they have the money there's no nowhere else going to offer him the money that indiana does but i would love to just get bradley and then you play victor oladipo a point guard more which they just seem to believe that they're just not going to do but i I don't understand why that is necessarily so uh yeah i I think that some teams missed out here even the lakers you know why couldn't the lakers just offered him this deal for 13 million instead of rondo and stevenson like i think he would have been a much better fit at least can make a three and the non-guarantee is there and the last thing i wanted to say too what the guarantee date is for potentially bradley and again i guess you know if bradley gets the second year that's guaranteed then this lakers thing what i'm saying about that would sense but for him in favors the guarantee date will be very interesting next year yeah forcing an early decision and if it's structured as a non-guarantee just how that affects potential trade negotiations because you theoretically even if those teams can have something to wield if it's a late enough date even if it's like the fifth we've already seen how much business is done by the second so that that could be a factor here and both of those guys if it ends up being a non-guarantee i mean you could make a reasonable argument that they're good enough on that salary that they could be a tradable piece after it's just that it's a little bit different especially with the league with the league rules the way they are the other piece of clippers news is that they signed mike scott we do not yet know the terms of that contract i assume it will be one year but the amount will matter but the amount won't matter as much now because the clippers are functioning with the bradley signing as an over-the-cap team they're about 17 million below the tax that that assumes that they don't keep milos Tedosic, though they theoretically i think could could just do that if they wanted to i mean hey but they could i mean why not uh, at this point uh, I mean, there's no opportunity cost to keeping him on you still have the full mle you still got the bae you're not close to the tax why not just keep him around i mean it, as insurance that, maybe that four million that four million isn't gonna yeah and so so the, i said they have 17 million non-taxpayer mid-level presumably scott comes out of that or the biannual depending on how much money he gets but those two combined don't get you close to 17 million and they the only other guy they have bird rights on is montrez harrell and i don't think he's gonna fill that gap either so they're in a pretty good place financially they also have a lot of their roster spots spoken for at the moment and the other piece of this well you know we we had our there was kind of that weird thing in terms of the value proposition of the austin rivers marcin gortat thing if the clippers had an idea that they were going to bring avery bradley back on this kind of a deal trading away austin rivers makes a little bit more sense just because they have more guys but you could see rivers just providing more value because there are so many centers on the market yeah well and, and they they at least got gortat who is an okay starting center he's probably about the same level as some of these other guys who are on the market but because they're gonna stay over the cap you know maybe they couldn't have gotten someone as good as him i think they probably could have but it, it makes sense they didn't know how it was going to play out with avery bradley and, and you know potentially mike scott and we'll see again what exception mike scott is going to fall into so yeah the, the fact that they got bradley back who's a much better player than austin rivers when healthy uh, 
really completely eliminates uh, any pain from losing rivers and also rivers is really a distraction in the locker room so they're kind of glad to have him gone even you know not to say that he handled that situation poorly some would say that he did but you know it's obviously difficult to avoid that perception so yeah i like where the clippers are and you're right i mean teo you might as well just keep him around i mean i guess other than the roster spot issue you know that that's one thing but you know they could move on from cj williams if they wanted to or, or you know make some trades or Jawan evans you know really kind of is totally redundant now on this team he's guaranteed for this year but you could cut him if you wanted to or you could try to trade teodosic even as well eventually or just keep him around and ha- have some more backcourt depth where do you want to go next let's go to the portland trailblazers seth curry overpaid in the mock off season got substantially less money in the real off season two-year deal with portland 2.75 million guaranteed for the first year and then a player option for the second part of the big reason between the big difference in valuation partially i overpaid him partially also the big difference in structure he went from in that i i gave him a, a very team-friendly deal in terms of the non-guarantee on the last year the money was too high here curry can get back out on the market if he has a good year but then he has a guarantee if it doesn't we theoretically you could have a non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed player option like we're seeing with the aforementioned tay dosage but my assumption is it's going to be a guaranteed player option and i really like seth curry's fit with the blazers doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time can hit open shots not perfect to be sure but if they kind of i don't know if the blazers had an idea that that they were going to be able to have this open it certainly mitigates some of the weirdness with shabazz napier but i don't know if they knew that at the time or if it just kind of fell into the lap yeah now napier hasn't really been hurt in his career and curry didn't play at all last year he's apparently was cleared to play a month ago coming off that tibia surgery but that's something that has plagued him throughout his career is his second surgery on that but he's not gonna be needed to play big minutes uh and he's a nice fit alongside either guard and certainly if healthy i mean he's he's well worth this contract he'll be able to get on the market next year with that player option if he has a good year at age 28 blazers now have signed stauskas and curry looks like napier no chance that he'll be back now Connaughton still could maybe return although they didn't of course give him a qualifying offer there at the blazers overall 12 players they've got anthony simons of course their draftee number 24 and they have 5.6 million below the tax and obviously yusuf nurkic still as a restricted free agent so that they're going to be in the tax this year almost certainly unless they were to move on from I and mean, really the only expendable guys right now are myers leonard and maybe evan turner and those guys of course are difficult i don't see them stretching those guys necessarily at this point maybe you could see that happening next offseason so you know they bring back nurkic for whatever the price is going to be and you know maybe they're in the tax but not too badly and they dodged it last year so it's not the end of the world if they have to pay it paul allen can afford that that's not a tax dodging team another little just housekeeping one here indiana waived al jefferson as expected we don't know whether they're going to stretch his four million dollar guarantee or not our cap space assumptions for them have been assuming that they do but you know they've got a couple days to decide that and, or actually no i think they have to decide it uh, immediately here so they, they almost certainly will i think you it. have a i my i believe you have a day after they clear waivers okay yeah so so that they got i'm not 100 percent on that but that's what's my yeah, memory so they might have a little bit of time here and presumably they're going to use the rest of that space tyreek evans clearly uh looks to should be their number one priority but I, i'm guessing that there is a concern there over the number of years i think he would of course really help them i would be very interested in luke and bob mute if i were them someone who can guard some threes james dennis all, all the usual three and d type of guys here might also be interested in maybe trying to bring in kind of a developmental uh, i guess they got aaron holiday so never mind they don't need to bring in another backup point guard uh stretch four would be the other thing that they maybe could use you know they might you might have thought they'd be in the tolliver sweepstakes but i think they're still trying to get evans and, and keeping their cat's face open there and not a ton on the stretch four market uh davis Bertans 
Sons is an interesting one who might be a fit there uh but he's of course a restricted free agent in San Antonio you know Luke Babbitt might be someone they consider Dante Cunningham kind of fringier type of guys here and so that's what's going on with Indiana I mean they really kind of got to get their guy and for Indiana you know yeah they could have a lot of space again next year up to 51 million uh, almost certainly will have that with Young with Collison with Bogdanovich all coming off the, the books maybe they don't want to get into that but Indiana seems like the team that maybe you should try to get a guy in a value deal and Tyreek Evans if he continues to play the way he has the last couple of years you know could be a value player uh, on a multi-year deal the rare player who might sign one of those we'll see where that ends up here I, I will note quickly that I did get the uh stretch timing right I checked Larry Coon's invaluable CBA FAQ for those of you who listen to the show and somehow don't know it exists use it as much as you can it's you have to inform the league by right before midnight on the day following the day they clear waivers gotcha so. all right so so they got time here to do that I think if, if they can't get so maybe you just take the pain uh of Jefferson this year just do it all at once uh, and then you you can save 1.3 million the next two years uh, on your tax in Detroit Jose Calderon one year veterans minimum presumably going to be the third point guard behind Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith there uh Dwight Bikes was not guaranteed you'd think that they would probably move on from him so that doesn't really hurt the Pistons we assumed that everyone was going to be uh was going to be for a minimum from here on out and then they still have two second rounders Bruce Bowen and Kyrie Thomas each of whom if they could start him at the minimum they could then dodge the tax because those guys start so much lower than the veterans minimum does uh and then i want to talk a little bit about houston clint capella met with the rockets and just tweeted tweeted a sad face emoji sunday uh so no deal appears imminent there and i think just yeah i don't think demarcus cousins is a game changer for the warriors he could turn out really well but i mean still just to get that kind of a talent on your team kevin durant for whatever reason maybe the one plus one but he takes less this year he took less last year to enable iguodala and livingston to return for whatever reason whether it's the and joe lakeup has has really you know you can't point to a transaction yet that joe lakeup hasn't been willing to do because of money and in houston they let trevor ariza get away in what sounds like kind of just a pissing match like oh you don't think i'm gonna leave i'll leave uh and then you know clearly it was just money like they could they had full bird rights on ariza they could have brought him back it wouldn't have been that hard to beat that phoenix offer or just match it even uh at 15 minutes this year yeah it would have cost a crap load of money in luxury taxes but they let someone go they're a championship contender and they let someone go now i'm not gonna say that like this is uh until and Fertitta is still gonna pay a ton of luxury tax when they re-sign capella and maybe they use the taxpayer mle on someone like luke and bob mute so he's still gonna pay a lot of money and i sure as hell don't have over 200 million dollars to spend on a basketball team this season but you know you compare that to the warriors who are getting demarcus cousins for the taxpayer mid-level houston hasn't even signed anyone for the taxpayer level yet they lost trevor reza they had to pay chris paul the max no discount there so it's just there's a little bit of a the warriors organization and people get mad at them but like they're just doing a better job at this point they really are compared to teams that you know are just have not been able to work around some of these landmines yeah and houston they certainly have options to get threes but nobody's gonna really replace a reason i think that's what we were trying to get at back when reza signed with the suns is the is this idea so even if they bring in bamute then they have to then they would theoretically have to replace his role and everything else like that and i think that's a, a good way to transition unless you have something else into our daily tradition of going through the free agents and then each team situation yeah uh, so you still got uh, among point guards unrestricted uh, we don't need to say the restricted guys because none of them have signed obviously that's the same as yesterday well van vliet did but oh yeah yeah but, but we yeah we talked about him no, yesterday yeah. already uh that's yeah no restricted free agents have signed this year bielitsa now is unrestricted um actually surprising to me how 
few of some of these rotation wings have signed led by evans and Bamute ellington Dwayne wade is still out there james ennis jeff green jamal crawford is still out there as well you've also got some vets we haven't mentioned like joe johnson vince carter i still think actually could help a team a little bit among point guards isaiah thomas tony parker ray felton shabazz napier devin harris shane larkin ty lawson shelvin mack those are guys who have contributed at various points in their career been in rotation and then among bigs brooke lopez dwight howard probably the two established starting centers out there you've got alex lenz Aza pachulia o'quinn is probably near the top of that market as well greg monroe is still out there noah vonley is an interesting unrestricted free agent i think a team should take a look at who wants to try and switch more uh so so that's a, about it that that i've got there um what about on the team side there is one team i wanted to talk about but we can just start but by, by going through here so atlanta has about 25 million to work with plus the room mid-level we'll see what they do with with all that i presume they will use it in a trade but theoretically they could do something else boston i have them about eight and a half million below the tax not counting marcus smart if they want to stay under that could be challenging depending on his price they also do have the non-taxpayer mid-level but i think they're going to use the taxpayer mid-level or anything also worth noting with boston they have 15 guys on roster if you count smart daniel tyson abdel nader so they you know you can go over and cut guys if, if that works but they might not be looking to add as much now that they already signed brad wanamaker and brought back the brooklyn nets i have them at about seven million in cap space plus whatever dwight gives up they've already used their room mid-level on ed davis and then they used early bird rights with that low cap hold on harris charlotte hornets 10.5 million in space not counting travion graham they have the non-taxpayer mid-level so they should be fine that that space being under the luxury tax and that's actually i wanted to talk about charlotte because they're an interesting test case here they may not be able to use the full mid-level uh just due to filling out the roster spot and being able to stay under the tax but they desperately need a backup point guard obviously and maybe a little bit more depth at center but they're one of the few teams that actually can go multiple years because there's really no opportunity cost for them next year they're going to be over the cap next year even if Kemba Walker leaves they won't have a ton of space so they could actually offer a multi-year deal which a lot of teams aren't but the problem is a lot of players want to get back on the market next year to get out of this miserable market so they're kind of looking for one-year deals as well and so Charlotte can't really outbid in terms of dollars necessarily but they can in terms of years and so if there's a player who would be interested in doing that now they might have to pay more perversely if you want to get more years you might have to actually pay more on a yearly basis than you would in a one-year deal because players are like oh i could get out and get back in the market i don't know how true that's going to be next year we shall see but we mentioned all those point guards potentially as options and i think isaiah actually would be an interesting fit there but he's going to be one of these guys who wants to get back on the market charlotte could offer i yeah. feel i feel like they're gonna end up with napier that's he, my instinct he would be a good fit there i think that that would be a solid yeah. one and napier hasn't made much money in his career so he he's not in a position to be like oh yeah i can just you know take a one-year deal you know he might want some more security i think that would i agree with you i think that would be the best choice for them at backup point guard and maybe they can finally solve that revolving door to some degree especially then you have the the potential that Kemba walker could leave you might start next year yeah go from one uconn point guard to another all right so so we can continue though here with the bulls 26 million in space have the room mle uh zach levine david nuaba still out there as restricted free agent for them cleveland no changes we talked about them yesterday dallas no changes we talked about them yesterday denver still 22 million over the luxury tax they had the taxpayer mle almost certainly not going to use it you would think and nobody they're really out there on the market who i love for them at this point you know maybe one of the uh the three and d guys we always talk about who may not be any good but at least potentially give you a chance there uh what about detroit i guess we talked about them detroit yeah yeah we talked i'll just give the numbers so we have i have them at 3.8 million below the tax with 
without their free agents or Moreland or Bike. So if they keep Moreland, then that gets a little bit tighter. They'll use presumably most or some most or all of their remaining mid-level to sign the aforementioned second round picks. They do have a $7 million trade exception, which I doubt they're going to use. The Warriors only have minimums left because they use the taxpayer MLE on Boogie. Houston over the tax, but they do have their taxpayer mid-level available. We just talked about the Pacers, so I don't need to go through that again. Just talked about the Clippers, so I don't need to go through that again. I have the Lakers at $6.5 million below the caps, a cap assuming Stevenson uses the room mid-level. Yeah, that's actually, there. it's a little bit below that. They're at, at, at 5.7, okay. technically, they because uh, they still got, got roster charges to deal with with only oh, 10 yeah, players on the roster. The Memphis Grizzlies, they have $12.8 million below the tax line, not counting on Caspi. I'm not counting him until I find out the guarantee, just because we're waiting on it. They have the full non-taxpayer mid-level the, exception. They're another one of those and, ones, same thing as Charlotte, where really yeah. little opportunity costs to going uh, multiple years there uh, with that full non-taxpayer Emily but it really it, a lot of it just depends on what Tyreek Evans wants uh, at this point I mean he's really the top guy on the market so you'd think he, even Philly had some interest in him supposedly at the trade deadline but if Philly wants to bring in Marco Fultz he really is redundant with Fultz or not bring in but really you know have Fultz be a big part of their team this year and they want to develop him bringing in Evans doesn't make a ton of sense yeah and you could think about Evans and Wayne Ellington depending on what happens with Miami as being fits for kind of a couple of these different spots depending on what he prioritizes i mean memphis could be in an intuitive place if he's looking for multiple years different type of circumstance i think he went to memphis as well as memphis university but it, it, i i don't know exactly what wayne ellington is looking for how he sees this market that'll be notable miami connecting with wayne ellington 4.6 million below the tax not counting him they have the non-tax pyramid level whether they use that or not will probably depend on what happens with wayne ellington and when i say they're 4.6 million below they only have 11 players on roster so just filling out their filling out those spots will take up a fair amount of that wiggle room they could pay it but i don't know if they want to minnesota we talked about already new orleans we talked about the knicks no changes they uh have used most of their non-taxpayer emily on mario hazonia but still plenty of room below the tax they're just lo- looking essentially at the bae and minimums remaining okc uh can't even see the tax line for uh how high in the air they are uh, above it phoenix a little bit more space for them 2.4 million they have their room exception remaining but a, a lot of guys on roster already i don't see any other big moves from them they could just leave the room level open talked about portland sacramento has done absolutely nothing 19 million dollars in space for them they also have their room exception but they have 13 guaranteed contracts already too so this seems like more of a again a bad contract accepting destination san antonio 2.8 million dollars left of the non-taxpayer mle and then they also have plenty of room below the tax most likely we'll see if they bring back Bertans and Anderson and Parker they might start to get a little close to that they also have their BAE available Toronto likely done they're 11.2 million over the tax and while they have pretty big trade exceptions and the taxpayer Emily they have basically their whole roster back from last year so uh, unless they make a trade to open up in luxury tax space I don't expect them to use the taxpayer Emily especially because I don't think there's a player available for that who could even break into their rotation so it doesn't make sense Utah we talked about Washington is a couple million over the tax have their non-taxpayer MLE but again you wonder they're a team too that doesn't have a huge opportunity cost but you know because John Wall goes up to 37 million next year they may not want to go more than one year so I'm not sure where they go losing Mike Scott was a blow to them so that'll do it for today I want to remind you about our Patreon patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue we are tweeting out every signing in many cases within minutes of it happening what their cap situation looks like how much space each team has left tweeting out the full NBA estimates I'm actually going to do that as soon as we're done here so check that out you also get our mailbag podcast 
podcast which is still relatively green uh, that we did only three days ago amazingly it seems like months since june 29th when we recorded that uh so yeah that's a uh, great to check out danny check out his work at the uh, athletic as well it wrote that piece uh, about cousins and their option the warriors options for retaining him and uh, i think that'll do it for today and again recording schedule nobody out there is that sexy so we may wait a couple days for more signings to accumulate before we record again but you know today was a pretty big day so we wanted to record on it and we will talk to you all the next time enough happens till then